Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are conditional people. If, then kinds of people. For example, when uh, I was in college, and you can see if you relate at all to this, sometimes I calculated if I stay up this long, then I'll get this many hours before I have to get to class. Or if I stay up this long studying, then I can get to class at this time and try to pass that exam. Maybe that's the interpretation of that. But uh, as a parent, I sometimes make peace in wartime. If the kids play nice, then maybe we'll do something they like. Uh, We make conditional rationalizations and compromises all the time, don't we? If I eat good today, then I can pig out tomorrow. If I hang out with this person, then maybe they'll want to hang out with me. If this, then that. It's how our world works. It's how we live. It's how we make money for goods and services. It's so secondhand to us that we probably don't think about it, at least most of the time, only when we're forced to think about it, like a text today, when we begin to realize how rationalized we are and how compromised our lives really are. See, a world enticed and infected by sinful things is not the world God created. We must make the comparison between God's perfect promises and the promises of mortal and flawed people like ourselves. It is a comparison between all of us sinners and the one true God. There's how we operate and how God operates. How we live our lives and how God calls us to live. Today's gospel text makes this comparison by contrasting how we fare under times of temptation to how Jesus handles temptations. And if you haven't picked up on it, it's really no comparison at all. Clearly, Jesus fares far better than we do. Jesus is tempted and yet does not sin. At the beginning of our gospel, we learn how this all unfolds. We learn how it is, in fact, the Holy Spirit who leads and sends Jesus into this wilderness for the purpose of being tempted. In fact, in the Greek language, the original language in which the New Testament was written, it colors how we should view this epic encounter between Jesus and Satan. In Mark's Gospel, it is recorded that Jesus is thrown, thrown into the wilderness to receive the devil's temptations. But here in Matthew's Gospel, an unlikely synonym of offering is used. Jesus was offered to the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. And without bogging us down with what I find very interesting <laughs> but uh, uh, and fascinating according to the kind of the history of the time and the, of course, spiritual implications, 
Here we find that uh, is a little hint, a little nod to what the people of old did and how they practiced, how they placed their sins upon the lamb, a sacrifice, and sent it into the wilderness. Jesus is here soaking in the world's sins for the purpose of being offered for our sins, for the purpose of offering his own blood upon the cross as a sin offering for the entire world. Right before this text happens, Jesus is baptized. Jesus receives in himself all the shed sins of the people being baptized before him. And from this point on, Jesus initiates his ministry of soaking in the sins of the people. So as we are baptized, we remember what Jesus is actually doing at that font. As we confessed and received a holy absolution of forgiveness of our sins from the font, right here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we are reminded all the more of how our Savior comes to us, that he is baptized in a way similar to ours, but slightly different. He is baptized so that when we are baptized, the sins that we shed are placed upon him in all times and in all places, that he may bring them to the cross as an offering, our sins nailed and crucified there to the cross, that we would receive an absolution, a forgiveness of sins. But the devil, he wants none of this. The devil wants no mercy for the world, no mercy for you. The devil confronts Jesus in the wilderness to stop his love for you. So everything is on the line as we encounter Jesus this morning. All of salvation is on the line. The devil sees Jesus in the flesh. And here he finds it's his opportune moment to make his move. He confronts Jesus with those conditional temptations that he places before all of us who are in the flesh. The devil's assault is this. If you are the Son of God, then prove it. Jesus is the embodied word and son of the living God. And the devil knows this, but still tries to appeal to what he presumes can be bought. The flesh the flesh of Jesus. After all, we hear in our text, Jesus is hungry, having fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. So the devil seeks to lay his trapping temptation when Jesus is at his weakest. But the plan is a foolish one. To think that Jesus will give in like the rest of us do when under spiritual attack. To recant or to reinterpret God's word as the devil wishes Jesus would do, would be for Jesus to contradict himself. But with Jesus, there is no identity crisis. No, no need to satisfy his hunger because he does it for you. To obey the commands of the devil because he seeks to obey the commands of the Father. Or even to worship the devil is out of the question because he is not to be worshipped. Our weakness in the flesh is not in the character of God in the flesh. 
Instead, Jesus is faithful to the cause of your salvation. He teaches us to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He teaches us to not put the Lord your God to the test. He teaches us from our text today to worship the Lord your God and to solely serve him. If you are the Son of God, is a conditional test that our sinful hearts sadly too frequently employ. And we're easily sucked into the way that the world operates under the tempter's whisperings, aren't we? But Jesus knows perfectly well who he is. And as the Son of God gives us to live by his death, which confounds the false prophets and humbles the wisest of men, Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, the devil made a fatal mistake. He considered God in the flesh to be as weak as all men in the flesh. He considered God in the flesh to be as unwise as all men in the flesh. Yes, the wisest and the strongest among us fall before the devil. The flesh is, of course, to no avail. But what we might consider the foolishness of Christ, to enter into the wilderness, to endure the temptations of Satan, what we might consider the foolishness of Christ in the flesh wields both the power and the wisdom of God. Jesus permits the devil to place stones before him. And there he tempts Jesus to live by the flesh. Jesus permits the devil to take him to the top of the temple And there he tempts Jesus to use his power to escape death and hint that that's what you should do and avoid the cross. Jesus permits the devil to show him the kingdoms of the world in all of their glory for what that's worth. And there he tempts Jesus to trade places. The devil worshiped as God and Jesus as a cursed prince of the earth. Jesus comes to us but offers himself where our hearts are engaged in battle. He's the knight who journeys into the wilderness to slay the dragon terrorizing the countryside. He's the hero of the world's story. He's the son of God. No analogy really needed. And Jesus does what the son of God does. He sends Satan away and saves sinners. He permits the devil to do his worst and then tells him to go packing. He is ministered to by the angels and then goes on to minister to us, to minister to you, to serve you by his own shed blood on the cross, serving the Father's will. And this is the Father's will, that his Son go to the cross for you. The crucified Christ takes on your sinful condition and conditional faith. By his cross, the devil and his miserable plans are crushed. By his cross, 
True ransom is paid that satisfies God's wrath over all your sins. By his cross, Christ has had mercy on you. By his cross, the foolishness of your sin is crucified and culminates with your identity no longer in crisis, but in Christ. You can bet that if we are conditional people, then we have a Savior. We are conditional people, and we do have a Savior. The Gospel today shows us who is in charge, and it's not the devil, it's Jesus. The Lenten season that we have now entered into urges each of us to consider the power and the wisdom of the Son of God from the beginning, the very beginnings of his public ministry here, all the way to the cross where he dies for you. We are to find this time in the church's life together to be a period of prayerful reflection. We are to repent for falling into temptations and believe in the forgiveness Jesus' victory on the cross won for us. We are to look upon Jesus with the eyes of faith, seeing in him what the world ignores and the devil despises, a love that is persistent and true. The kind of love that Jesus possesses rescues the hungry, endures with the testing, and makes servants out of sinners. In times of temptation, complacency, doubt, and fear often is the portrait that paints our lives. Thankfully, Jesus sees us differently. Jesus sees you differently from the cross, where our love fails to meet the conditions of our human need. Jesus' unconditional love is unfailing for you. And the life he gives up is the everlasting life you receive. Amen.